0: Welcome to the Five Books for Catholics podcast, where experts explain their pick of five outstanding books on an aspect of Catholic life, doctrine, or culture. Francois du Salignac de la Morte 1651 1651 1715, was a noted bishop and writer. In 1689, the learned, pious, and zealous priest, was appointed tutor of the Duke of Burgundy, the second in line to the French throne. In 1696, he was made Bishop of Cambrai. However, he was expected of holding heretical views in prayer and the spiritual life. Though a supporter of Jean Guillon, he submitted along with her to the de d'ici in which the French bishops condemned some of the spiritual doctrines she was alleged to hold. However, he refused to sign Jacques bignin Bossuet's explanation of these articles. He applied with a work of his own, an explanation of the maxims of the saints. This led to his removal as tutor to the king's grandson. It also led to a papal brief condemning certain propositions of his book. However, the Bishop of Cambrai continued to be one of the major intellectual figures of the period throughout Europe, known for his writings on the spiritual life, political philosophy, and education. Ryan Patrick Hanley, Professor of Political Science at Boston College, will take us through his pick of the five best books by Ron Fenlon. Prior to joining the Faculty of Boston College, Professor Hanley was the Mellon Distinguished Professor of Political Science at Marquette University and held visiting appointments to fellowships at Yale, Harvard, and the University of Chicago. A specialist in the political philosophy of the Enlightenment period, he is the author of the Political Philosophy of Fenlong and a companion translation volume, Fenlong, Moral and Political Writings, both of which are published by Oxford
1: University Press. Professor Handy, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. It's a great pleasure to be here. We opened with a
0: brief biographical sketch of Fenlong. What would you add to it?
1: I actually think that your biographical sketch was outstanding. I I I I much appreciated it. Um, Perhaps what I would add, if anything, would be um, the significance, maybe, of some of his very early experiences, and then also his legacy. Um, so early in his life, Fenelon was um, held some remarkable posts. He was always an educator by profession, and prior to teaching uh, the Duke of Burgundy within the court, um, he was also a uh, very well-known. Uh, 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 educator, uh, among other institutions, um, with, um, some of the, in the wake of the Edict of Nantes, working with some of the, um, young women of families of, of some of the new converts. Uh, and so he wrote extensively on education and had been thinking about education from the very early times of his, uh, period at Saint-Sulpice as, in, in his early, uh, after being ordained as a priest. Um, so that's one important part of his biography because it, uh, shapes so much of his later writing uh, and especially his deep investment as a spiritual counselor as well as a more formal tutor to the Duke of Burgundy himself. Um, so I might add that by way of starters. And then in terms of his legacy, um, Fenelon dies in 1715, predeceasing Louis 15 or Louis XIV, um, just, uh, just by a matter of months. But um, his Uh, influence, as significant as it was during his life, um, perhaps one could say it was even more significant uh, after his death, and especially for the century of what came to be known as the Enlightenment in the later part of the 18th century. Uh, And uh, I'm glad to see, and I hope to contribute through my work uh, to um, maintaining his visibility and perpetuating that legacy. He's a remarkable thinker, one that uh, is well worth uh, the uh, the time of his readers.
0: And you've already um, suggested that we should continue to read Fenelon today. Could
1: you flesh out the reasons why we should read him? Of course, uh, I, I think we should read him for a number of different, um, discrete but interrelated reasons. One is for, um, a, a, a you mentioned and rightly introduced me as a, a political scientist, as a student of political philosophy, I think Fenelon deserves our attention for his vision of political life here in the city of man. Um, He had a remarkably humane understanding of what politics uh, could be and how it could be reformed from what it is. And I think that part of his vision is, remains important today, especially in our fraught global political moment. Um, But aside from politics and ultimately more important than his uh, uh, political writing is his, his insights as a spiritual counselor and advisor and for many generations from his life up through our own generation uh, uh the faithful have recognized in fenelon a remarkable guide Uh, to spirituality and to the inner life. And uh, I think that reading his words in French, reading his words in Latin, or reading his words in translation, uh, the power comes through and has been a formative experience for many. Uh, And so I'm I'm delighted to have a chance to talk about some of those works where the power comes through today.
0: The first work that you recommended is the one for which Fenelon was best known during his own lifetime, The Adventures of Telemachus, Son of Ulysses. It is one of various mirrors for princes that he had written for his pupil, the Duke of Burgundy. It narrates the travels of Telemachus, who is accompanied by his tutor, Mentor. It was published without Fenelon's authorization, but became an international bestseller. Why, in your view, is it still worth reading today?
1: Yeah, it's worth reading for a variety of reasons. One is just simply this remarkable historical phenomenon, as you mentioned, It was really, it was written explicitly for the education of the Duke of Burgundy. And so here we have a book literally written for an audience of one. But the manuscript gets leaked without Fenelon's consent or knowledge, it seems. uh, The book was published and as you rightly note, became an international bestseller and indeed has been cited as the most widely read book after the Bible for the French 18th century. that particular uh, fact I think alone suggests the degree of influence that Fenelon had and um, and, and makes this work particularly interesting um, simply from a historical perspective. But I'd be remiss if I were to say that it's only important for, for history. Um, Fenelon, in the course of the work, aspires to provide, as you say, a mirror for princes, the image of what we might call anti-Louis XIV, where Louis XIV, as Fenelon knew firsthand from serving in his court, where the Sun King believed himself to be the center of the universe and dedicated his life to glory and grandeur and and promoting the glory and grandeur of himself and the nation. Fenelon believed that um, the king needed to have uh, a very different orientation and that his glory should come from not the splendor of his palace, but rather in fact, Uh, the services that he made the least and lowest in his flock. And Fenelon's remarkable portrait of um, kings good and bad in this fictional narrative of Telemachus um, is meant to clue the Duke of Burgundy, and indeed we today, his later readers, into the essential components of good and bad, just and unjust, free and tyrannical government. And uh, as I said before, with our fraught political moment Fenelon gives us the opportunity for really uh, sustained reflections on both what is um, perilous in our current political moment, but also perhaps some of the promise uh, with a politics once well and rightly reformed.
0: And presumably a mentor is Fenelon himself, Telemachus, the Duke of Burgundy. Um, But why would Fenelon, a bishop, recur to Greek epic poetry or Greek mythology to get his message across instead of scripture?
1: Yes, well, it's a wonderful question. Um, On one hand, um, I think one would have to say that uh, the contemporary audience certainly would have recognized that um, scripture is um, written between the lines throughout. And as much as he is using the characters of classical uh, mythology, that it is certainly informed by a Christian Catholic perspective. Um, uh, but um, and the other reason, and this is another important part of Fenelon's life, he is of course, one of the immortals, one of the members of the Académie Française right at the time when it is not just publishing its landmark dictionary, but it is itself uh uh involved so deeply in the great struggle of the quarrel of the ancients and the moderns and i think that uh, at least one of the things that animated fenelon's intense love of classical learning and his intense interest in classical poetry and prose of both uh, the greek world and the roman world was um that he was able to be a conversationalist in many of these debates and was able to get a hearing uh, through his literary prowess in the secular world uh, so that he was not uh, merely speaking uh, to the world of the faithful.
0: And the next book on your your list is Fenelon's Maxims of the Saints. He wrote it as a response to Boswe's instructions in the States of Prayer. And some scholars consider it his finest work. It is certainly an influential work because it gave rise to a major and enduring intellectual debate regarding the nature of disinterested love or more poor. However, it has long been taken as an apology of quietism. Indeed, in 1699, Innocent the 11th, under pressure from Louis, Louis XIV and Bossuet, condemned 23 propositions from the book in the motu proprio comalias. Can you explain what quietism is and whether Maxims of the Saints endorses it
1: yes, I think it's a it's an extremely important question, and you've done a wonderful job of setting the historical context to which I would only add that of course Fenelon very willingly um, recanted the objectionable propositions found by innocent the eleventh uh, uh and maintained of course his position uh, at cambrai um fenelon's um the aim of the maxims and the maxims are an extraordinarily important book, but they're the last of Fenelon's writings on a long and sustained debate that began um, uh, at least five years earlier and gave rise uh, from 1694 forward to voluminous, both published and unpublished writings. Uh, And so in some ways, and all of those writings are designed to, I, I argue over the simple question of the orthodoxy of the concept of pure more, pure love. Um, Fenelon's aim is to find the uh, textual evidence within the writings of the church fathers that demonstrates the orthodoxy of the comment of, of, of the concept. Um, and of course, in the ultimate decision, uh, both Bossuet as well as Innocent XI disagreed uh, uh, Fanon's, and I say that just to give the historical context, the book yet remains, aside from the question of whether he was successful in demonstrating its orthodoxy, even um, the propositions of it that were not censured, there's a presentation of a particular view of spirituality and and pure love, which, is indeed related to but i think ultimately distinct from the question of quietism and quietism is of course the key label that fenelon labored under in the 1690s because of his association with madame guillon and her uh, particular brand of inner spirituality fenelon's defense of guillon is of course what got him into a great deal of trouble But I don't know that in the end, Fenelon's system is reducible to Guillaume's. And I would say, in fact, Fenelon separates himself from a number of Guillaume's um, uh, more problematic sides and attempted to develop a spirituality that's not properly quietistic. Um, And part of the evidence for that, and there's, I think, a lot of different ways this could be explored, but part of the evidence lies in something that we've talked about already, which is his deep, interest in practical ethics and indeed politics. At the very least, it could be said that the quietists um, preeminent concern for withdrawal from the world doesn't capture either Fenelon's own um, uh, deepest commitments or his own practical engagement with the world uh extending not just in his political activities but all through the time of his active charity and deep beneficence that he practiced as a parish priest uh, and indeed as as bishop in Cambrai
0: and um this was one point where Fenelon was actually in disagreement with his friend and mentor Bossuet and also in his political views were very different from the type of absolutism which Bossuet defended. Do uh, you find it curious that he could be both a friend with Bossuet but also disagree with them very strongly in some delicate or important topics?
1: yeah, the, the following the trajectory of their particular relationship is quite remarkable. Um you mentioned earlier that um Fenelon, Um, The central character of Telemachus is, in fact, uh, Athena or Minerva, um, who is the goddess, who is mentor, the character mentor in disguise. And the significance of the concept of mentorship in Fenelon is important. And it's worthy of bringing this up in this context, since Boswe was really his first mentor in many ways, a great deal of intellectual and personal devotion to uh, Boswe and the feeling was quite mutual. Um, uh, And so watching the trajectory of the falling out, a falling out that's like many falling outs, extremely complex and maybe what we would call multifactorial. Partly it has to do with issues of interpretation, uh, uh, especially of the doctrines of the church fathers. Partially it has to do with court politics uh, and Fenelon's deep revulsion for the uh, particular way that Louis XIV structured court life, of which Bossuet was such a central figure. Um, But I think it's fair to say that the friendship ended and the mentorship ended and that by the end, uh, uh, lines have been crossed where there were not just intellectual disagreements, but indeed um, uh, personal disagreements that were beyond any sort of conventional reconciliation.
0: That's a pity. For your next pick, you stay with Fenelon's Spiritual Writings, a collection entitled Letters of Love and Counsel. Why have you chosen this for you?
1: Yeah, I wanted to put on the list a, um, um, one of several available collections of Fenelon's advice, to different interlocutors on issues of spirituality. And so I I think, as I may have mentioned earlier, Fedelon was widely esteemed as a um, gifted spiritual advisor, not just to those who knew him personally, but also to those who knew him through his correspondence. And the, there's a wonderful modern scholarly annotated edition of the 18 volumes of the correspondence pronounced, uh, that was originally produced by Jean Ossibal. And this extraordinary set of documents, um, um, again and again, Fenelon's deep insight into being able to take the particular worries of uh, his interlocutors and to guide them in ways towards um, a sense of peace deeper devotion and greater faith. He's a real genius at it. And um, the evidence for that is not just watching him do this with his interlocutors, but the experience of reading Fenelon and believing that he is in fact speaking to oneself uh, and not just the interlocutor to whom he's writing. So I wanted to make sure to have one representative selection to, so that readers could see and experience the deep power of his um, direct advice. The challenge is is that um, texts of these sort have long been circulating in English. And in fact, the fenelon that is known in English tends to be in similar sorts of volumes in which there are very brief selections on individual topics of spiritual and moral counsel that um, have been extracted from a broad variety of sources, sometimes letters and correspondence, sometimes sermons, sometimes other occasional writings, but often these editions don't provide either context or some some cases even citations. So while they can be very useful to to, um, those interested in his spiritual writings, they can be somewhat frustrating sometimes for scholars and those who would like to um, locate sources. This particular book, I think uh, the volume that I recommended is nice for two different reasons. One is that um, it does reproduce longer extracts from individual letters, and and indeed they're well-chosen and well-translated. And the second is that it also features a really lovely introductory essay by Merton uh, uh, that um, is both a very nice biographical overview but one that also speaks specifically to the themes of um, spiritual advising and their centrality in Fenelon's uh, in Fenelon's um, uh, life um, and so for both of those reasons of the many different volumes out there that address his um, spiritual writings or collect them um, I think that this is one of the best and most accessible
0: Thank you for listening to read or listen to the rest of this interview, and gain full access to our archive, visit fivebooksforcatholics.com and become a premium subscriber. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and give it a top rating on the platform of your choice. That way more people can discover it. You can also support the podcast and help us produce more interviews like this one by making a one-off donation via the link given in the show notes. As little as $1 one pound, or one euro, can help and will be greatly appreciated. Thank you once again, and God bless.